Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. So, summer is here. We're not having a great start here this morning, are we, though? It is raining, and no one likes a rainy, sunny day, a rainy Sunday, but we are here, and summer has, is on us. Now, it's taken a minute, right? It's taken a minute. We've taken a while to get here, but it's nice that we've arrived. I'm just praying for you that this summer would be uh, for your family, for your friends, for, for just you, just a time to create memories. I hope this is an amazing summer for you. Now, as far as summer at One Hope, This is what we've got going on, is if you read throughout the New Testament, you'll see that one-third of all of Jesus' teachings are through what we call parables or stories. And so we decided, let's grab several of those and let's just work through some of his stories because my mindset is, if it was good enough for Jesus to teach, it's good enough for us, yeah? And so that's where we're going this summer. It's gonna be, it's gonna be really great. And I'm hoping that each one, while they're gonna be individual parables, that they'll build something in your life. And my hope is that at the end of the summer, you'll look back and go, I really had some areas in my life that Jesus really wanted to speak to and speak through. And so uh, we're gonna jump into them, all right? And so with that being said, I want us to understand something. You probably have heard parables in your life. This won't be a first time, and maybe some will be duplicated, and and if you've grown up in the church, I understand that. But I want you to understand that these parables are not just feel-good conversations that Jesus had with those people. These aren't just fun analogies that Jesus was having just to inform people. No, at the time of Jesus speaking these, these were very revolutionary teachings. When Jesus was teaching these, these were, were, were meant to be able to speak into people's lives in a way that they could see the kingdom of God in a way they never taught or seen before. These parables were not just feel-goods. And oftentimes we can think of them that way, but no, these teachings were meant to stir. These teachings were meant to kind of just bring up times or bring up scenarios in our lives that maybe people had looked over. What these, I want you to understand that these stories were not meant just to teach, but these were meant to transform, okay? This is really important because I think sometimes we can take parables lightly. When we listen to them, I think we can sometimes take them lightly. Jesus is telling a story, yes, but these were meant more than just to teach, but to transform. And I believe that God is continuing his mission on this earth to set people free through these words of Jesus. And that's what I'm hoping we are going to experience this summer. That maybe there's some areas in our life that we're still holding on to. Maybe there's some areas in our life that that God is still trying to get a hold of and we haven't thought about it or we haven't really been willing to give it over, but maybe this summer. So I want us to be ready. I want us to be ready to be challenged. I want us to be ready to this summer when when each parable is spoken that we'll say, okay, God, there's something in me you want to transform. I'm all ears. And with that being said, I want you to grab your Bibles, grab your phones, watch on the screen. Um, There's a Bible underneath the seats. If you don't have one to grab it, we're going to go Mark chapter 4 this morning for our very first parable, okay? We're going Mark chapter 4 because it was the first one. 
Mark chapter 4 set the table, set the foundation for the rest of the teachings, the rest of the parables of Jesus. You'll also see this uh, taught in Matthew 13, and you'll see it in Luke chapter 8. And so let me read this for you. Once again, this sets the table, not just for this one teaching, but for the teachings that will come after. Okay, you ready? Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so they could not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus says, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, so if you've been brought up in the church, you've probably heard this parable like a hundred times, right? You could probably recite, you know this parable. Now for other people, you maybe didn't grow up in the church as much and you, you, uh, you, you haven't really heard this or maybe you've heard it, but you've never dug into what's going on here. And that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that when we hear and read these parables that we don't just think, oh, I've heard this before and move on, or that we just say, okay, those are nice words, but not really dig in. So let's jump into what's happening here. Okay, so before we get in, this is what we, we do most weeks here, is I want you to leave where you're sitting, and I want you to engage where this story would have taken place. I want you to jump into this scene. Now, the location that is traditionally thought of as the place where this was spoken is at a place called the Cave of the Sower, okay? We don't know this for sure. There wasn't a plaque left. There wasn't like this big sign here, this is where Jesus said that, but we think this is where it was said. I want you to see what this looks like. So go to that first picture of the cave. There you go. I mean the cove. So this is where historically they think Jesus would have spoken this. Once again, it's important if we can leave here and take ourselves to this area, all right? This is an area southwest of a place called Capernaum, okay? Capernaum is a village in Galilee that um, maybe he's called a ministry hub for Jesus, how he did most of his ministry. And so Jesus is out in this countryside, okay? And he's beginning to speak to the people. Now by now, the crowds are starting to get really large. People are starting to follow Jesus because they want to hear everything he has to say about the kingdom of God. Up to this point, they're looking at him, they're going, this guy is an exceptional rabbi. This guy is exceptional. The way he teaches, the way he does things, the way he, he makes us learn, the, just how he illuminates our mind. Like, this guy's an exceptional rabbi. And this wouldn't have been abnormal for people to start following. It wouldn't be abnormal for people to start following a rabbi. What would happen back then if someone was an incredible speaker, people would jump on and go, I want to hear everything he has to say. And so the crowds would get larger. Well, the crowds are getting larger for Jesus. 
But what they'll soon understand the next several years is he's more than an exceptional rabbi, isn't he? Now, the people who would have been in this area, they would have been poor farmers, most likely. They've been poor farmers. This wasn't a very populated area, and so people would have had to live off the land. This is who Jesus is talking to. And this is important to know because the power in this parable is that Jesus is speaking the language that they would have understood. The power in this parable is that Jesus is like, I want to talk to you in a way that you'll understand this next truth. So it says the crowds gathered, and I'm picturing this. The crowds are gathering, it's getting too large. So he gets into a boat and he pushes off the side of the water. And this is really smart because as he speaks, then his voice can reflect off the water and it can reach so many more people, right? And so Jesus begins to tell them a story, gives them a visual, a concept. And there are three images in this story that Jesus wants them to understand. There was the seed, right? There is the sower, and there is the soil. Now, I will contend, I'll argue, that this this parable is about one thing mainly that Jesus really gets into, and we'll get there. He really gets into, but in order to understand it, we gotta get the whole concept, right? So first we got the seed, okay? If you continue to read past of verse 9 where we stopped, you'll see that Jesus has a conversation with his disciples, okay? He finishes the conversation, and then some time goes on, and he has a conversation with them because they want to know more of what he's talking about. Now, we stopped at verse 9 because I want to get just a picture of the time that he said the parable, the talk, talk. but there is a conversation that happens afterwards, and that's a sermon for another day, but what you'll see Jesus explain is probably what we know is that this, that this seed he's talking about is simply the word or the truth of God, right? So we understand these three concepts. We gotta know the seed is the word or the truth of God. Essentially, Jesus is like, okay, the truth is poured out all over the people so they can hear and learn about the kingdom of God. So their lives can be transformed with the words that he's bringing. Now we do this every week here, right? We hope that every time, whether it's through our worship songs or the teaching that happens up here, that we're spreading the word of God and how, and the reason I say we do this is because we want everybody to discover that Jesus is their one hope for everything. It all points back to Jesus and that those words then transform our lives once we figure out that Jesus is the one hope, that we become more like him every day. Because the word of God, the truth of God, changes lives, at least it's supposed to. So that's the seed. The second one was the sower, right? So the sower is anyone, Jesus or anyone, that is sharing the good news, the truth of God. So sower is anyone who shares the truths of God. Now, Jesus is that person to these people, and this is, this is important to get. Jesus is that person to these people, but it only takes a couple years before Jesus is like, hey, now you disciples, you go out and do what I did. And then there were 72 people, go out and do what I did. And then there's hundreds. And it led to the point that we are part of this movement of anybody who shares the truth of God, that that is who the sower is. That these seeds of truth have to be scattered in order for a crop or a harvest to be produced. So we got the seed, we got the sower, now let's get to the soil. And this is where things get really interesting to me because 
What's the title of this parable typically in your Bible? The parable of the what? Sower. I've always been confused. Why is it a parable of the sower? Because the most of the details that Jesus gives, most of the conversations that Jesus have is about what? The soil. It's called the parable of the sower in, in, in most Bibles, or every Bible, but it seems like to me its focus is primarily on the soil because the seed and the sower, they stay consistent, right? They never change. Their job stays the same. The seed is the seed and the sowers are the sowers. It seems like Jesus is trying to make it clear about something. That the sower pours out the seeds, but depending on on where it lands will determine the crop that it produces. That the sower's the sower, the seed's the seed, but depending on where the seed lands determines the crop. I think Jesus is trying to do something really important here. Remember, most likely it's the first parable. And Jesus is speaking to them. He's saying, I have a lot of teachings that you're going to have over the next few years. You're going to hear a lot and see a lot of teachings the next few years. But depending on how that seed lands, where it lands, will determine what is produced. That Jesus is like, I've come to bring truth. I've come to bring life. I've come to bring freedom. I've come to bring something different. I want something for you really badly. I mean, I don't know Jesus' tone or his passion or how he's approaching this on the boat, but the crowds are getting larger and they're, they're listening to everything he's saying and he wants something desperately for them. He's like, I'm bringing truth. I'm bringing freedom. I'm bringing new life. But that doesn't happen by accident. It de all depends where it lands, how it lands in our lives. Now, remember, Jesus is speaking their language, right? He would, he, he would know that they would understand his analogy because they were mostly farmers. They would have understood the fields around him. And so when he is speaking this message, they would have had a picture in their mind. They would have understood exactly what he would have been saying, in my opinion. And so I want to bring us into maybe what their mind would have been thinking. Instead of me telling you, I want to make sure you can picture this. Bring up the first picture of this field. As Jesus is talking... He would have known that the people probably would have, most of them would have owned a little bit of land. When we talk about farming, we're not talking about acres and acres and acres. Once again, these people are kind of poor. More think of it as a big community garden. Okay, have you seen those before? This is how their fields would have worked. And you can see it on this picture. There'd be fields, common area, field, common area, field, common area, and so on and so forth. And they'd each have a piece of land, but it'd be connected to the other peoples. And so when harvest season would come, they would have to begin to prepare their land. And this wasn't easy. It took work. It took intentional work to get this prepared. But they would have harvested last year. It would have sat for a couple months. And then they'd come back to their field before the big rains and probably October, November over there. And, and they'd look at their field and they'd say, okay, I got some work to do. In the field would have been rocks. Because rocks are always rising to the surface, aren't they? You never get rid of all the rocks. They rise to the surface. So every year they'd have to do that. And they look at the field. You know what else would be out there? Thorns. Weeds. So what they would have to do when it was time for the season to plant the seed, they'd have to burn down all the thorns, 
And they have to begin to remove all the rocks. So what they would do is okay, get rid of all the thorns. Then they would grab the rocks and bring them to this common area in the middle. So if your field's over here, you get your rocks, you pick them up and you bring them over. And they're too big, you have to hammer them, get them aside. You may, have, you may have family, you may have friends. You get the rocks, you bring them in the middle. Then this person in this field, they would grab their rocks and they'd bring them to the middle. And what would happen is, is you'd have the fields getting prepared, then the common area, then the rest of the fields. And so what was in the common areas? Give me the next picture. You'd have the rocky places. You'd have the thorns. Then you have the pass, and then you have the good soil. Because what would happen after they planted the seed? Would you walk on that field? Would you walk on where it was planted? No, this isn't smart. They would have these common areas, once again, that they would walk on the same paths as everybody else. They would know this. Jesus is like, okay, you've got a field and it's being prepared and seed is being scattered. But on this field, you've got rocky places, you've got thorn places, and you've got these paths that people are going to walk on. They're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I got what you're saying, Jesus. I know how the fields would look. But then he's like, so the sower, the farmer comes out and he starts spreading the seed. Now, they don't have tractors, right? No tractors. This isn't a precise thing. I want you to picture this. It's just a farmer. Just a, just a guy, got a bag over his shoulder with the seed, and he's walking around putting seed out, right? And they put the seed out, and then they would do work to get it into the soil, but he put seed out, seed out, seed out. Most of the seed would land in good soil, because you'd be in the middle of it, and you're throwing out, but what about on the edges? If you're not careful and you throw some, where does it land? In some of the rocky areas, the thorny areas, on the path, the beaten down, trampled areas. We know how this works. I, at least I know how this works. So every year when summer's about to come in April or May, I want to seed my grass too. I don't have a lot of grass, but I like my grass to look good. And so I take the hand spreader, right? Put seed in. I walk around my yard. Start spreading out, spreading out. I'm in the middle of my yard. It's good. It's getting on all the grass areas. But what about when I move towards the driveway? Spread where some of the seed go. The driveway. Over up by where you walk up to my house. It gets on there. Over by the road, they got the, the walkway on the road. It gets on these areas. So most of the seed lands in good areas, but there are times when the seed lands in these areas where it's not possible to grow. We know how that works. This is their story. Mine is my story, but it's the same thing. So the land, uh, the seed has to land on the soil that's going to accept it. And so I think Jesus' truth is simply this. Truth is going to be shared. But depending on where it lands will determine its growth. Isn't this what he's saying? Truth's going to be shared. Truth is going out. Jesus is like, I am here. I am here. I'm going to be sharing truth. It's going out. Eventually it'll be through disciples and through other people. Eventually through you. Truth is going to be shared. But depending on where it lands will determine it's growth. And so I think the big question that Jesus has to ask in this is, what rocks and thorns and trampled areas are there in your life that won't allow God to produce a crop? Isn't that the question here? If we're looking at the truth going out, we're looking at the soils, the question is, okay, if 
obviously Jesus is not just talking about fields, he's talking about our lives. What are rocky areas, thorny areas, uh, uh, trampled down areas in our lives that will not allow seed to produce a crop? What's in our life? What was in their life that would not allow the truths of God to take root and transform us as people? Now remember something. I have to keep coming back to this, that this is the first one. Jesus is setting up for all the teachings that are going to come after. He's saying, you're about to hear a lot of things, and you need to be people where these truths can land on your life, on the soil of your life, so that your life can be changed. Because Jesus wants to do something. He's not just sharing fun stories. He's not just sharing feel-good analogies. He's, not, he, he's wanting to speak something that will be revolutionary to them, that will change the scope of their whole life. But in order for the truth of Jesus to produce followers of Jesus, then the, the, the seed has to land in areas where it can produce. And here's the problem. Jesus knew something about them that he knows about us too. That we all do have those rocks, thorns, and trampled areas in our lives. Here's what I want us to understand. Some of you, if not all of you, have grown up a lot of your life in church. This parable is not a new parable for you. For some people it is, I get it. But majority of people, this is not a new teaching. Every week you may hear a new teaching. You have teaching after teaching after teaching. Seed that's been sown in your life over and over from maybe when you were young till you're an adult and there's still seed being sown in your life. But just because seed is sown doesn't mean it grows something in you. That sometimes we can fake ourselves that sitting in these seats is all that's needed. To hear the word, to hear the truth, to hear God is enough. When in reality, Jesus is like, I'm going to say a lot of things, but just because I talk doesn't mean it transforms. Just because truth is out there doesn't mean it changes our lives. Because Jesus knows that everybody has rocky and thorny and trample down areas in our lives which stop the growth from happening in us. Picture this. Jesus is trying to change the world. One conversation at a time with people. He's trying to revolutionize who they are as a culture, who they are as people, that this movement was going to be bigger than any one person, but it needed to land on every person in a way that could transform their lives and can you be honest with yourself that you've heard a lot of Bible, a lot of stories, a lot of teachings, but just because you hear them doesn't mean it lands on good soil that produces what Jesus wants to produce in us. And this is the sadness of the story of Jesus. That we can go through our lives and hear teachings, but it doesn't mean it takes root. That we can hear teachings, but it doesn't mean it transforms. And so I said at the beginning that we need to be ready to be challenged. Jesus is challenging those people, and some of us here today need to recognize the rocks and the thornies and the trampled areas of our lives. And I began to think about that. What are those areas in our lives? 
What are rocky areas? What are thorned areas? What are trampled down areas? And so I have a few of them. Just maybe they'll connect with you. And what I want you to do is to wrestle with these. Are these areas that you need to take care of so that you can be transformed? The first one is uh, the rocks of past mistakes. The rocks of past mistakes. Some of us have a hard time embracing all that Jesus is trying to bring because we still identify in our past mistakes. The soil of our life is still rockied with past mistakes where we're still identifying with those. We're still living in the shame of those. We're still living in the temptation and maybe living out these mistakes. We're listening to the enemy who tells us we're only as good as our past mistakes, that we're not forgiven, that we're not any different, that we're a failure. And when we live in these past mistakes, there is no room for the truth of God to land in there because you've got these rocks that are, are, that are filling our soil of life up. And what we do is we identify with the lies of the past mistakes versus the truth of God that he wants to do in us. And so some of us, we have a hard time being transformed because we have rocks of past mistakes. You know what I'm talking about, right? But maybe it's not that for you. Maybe it's not past mistakes that you are living in. Maybe it's thorns of arrogance. If Jesus was saying this one, it'd be right in your face in an abrupt way of like, maybe you have thorns of arrogance in your life. And there's no way that Jesus can transform you because thorns of arrogance really looks like life's about me. So you may even believe in God, but God is not the center of my life because you know who is? This guy. That God may even have a place in your life, but he doesn't have the place in our life. Because the reality of your life is we think we know better. I know that the Bible says this, but I think I've got the answer. I know God's word says this, but I think I know what's best for my life. I know me. I know what the Bible says, but this is what I really think I need to do with my life, or this is how I need to think. This is what I need to give myself to. I know the Bible says this, but when thorns of arrogance rise up, I don't need the word of God. I've got me. And sometimes I don't think we realize how it's creeped up. Sometimes I don't think we realize how it's taken hold, that look what's growing. Some things are growing in my life and seeds been planted, but then this arrogant comes around and it just eats everything up. And what God was trying to do in our life is just no way for it to grow. How can God do a work in the, in, in the soil of your life if the, what's really there is just thorns of arrogance? But maybe that's not you again. Look, I'm just, I'm just, as I thought this week, what are things possibly that we struggle with that need to be cleaned up, that need to be burned away, the rocks that need to be moved? Maybe it's not that. Maybe for you it's rocks of idolatry. Not past mistakes or arrogance. It's just straight up rocks of idolatry. You realize that what you place the most value on is what you worship, right? And what you worship is what owns you, Right? The problem with many of our lives is we would say we're followers of Jesus and we would never want to admit that something has a higher value in my life. But the problem is our words and actions don't always line up. Because what sets the pace 
what makes the decisions is the most important thing. And sometimes these things can be good things. But listen, do you have anything that you struggle with that you idolize more than where God should sit in our life? We've got family sometimes. Everything is about your family and that dictates your choices. It can be work. Center of my life, it can be finances, it can be sports. We know about our town, right? Whatever we value the most and is making the decisions in our life, whatever we say is a non-negotiable, this is what we worship. And sometimes our life, idolatry can, can, can um, rise up. And how can God grow and produce something deep in your life when he is not in the seat of ultimate worship and ultimate priority because we have something else we idolize? Look at the decisions you're making and ask yourself what is the most important. And I would say that sometimes your words but your actions don't line up. But maybe it's not that it for you, okay? Maybe it's not it. Maybe, maybe it's trampled areas of doubt. So it's not rocks or thorns. It's trampled areas of doubt. Is God really real? Is God going to deliver? Does, does God keep his promises? It seems like I'm praying over and over, and I do, but I can't seem to get the answers. God, where are you? Are you even here? Can I tell you something? I think actually doubt is something that we should wrestle through all of us in our life. Doubt is not the bad thing. The problem with doubt is is when we sit in the doubt and we don't allow God to engage with our doubt and so we're not giving him a chance to prove himself. We just doubt after doubt after doubt after doubt. God can't work in that soil. Wrestle through doubts. If you don't have doubts, you're not thinking hard enough probably, right? Like life is complex and hard. But I think it's when we have trampled down areas of things that have happened in our life and they create these doubts and then we don't let God come in and intercede. We don't give God a chance to speak to them. And so what he, what he wants to produce in us, that seed can't grow because our doubts are covering it up. Once again, the doubt is not the problem. The problem is that we let God speak into, have a chance to speak into those doubts. And the last one I thought about was the rocks of selective obedience. God wants to do a great work in our life. Hear me. God's got something for you you've never experienced, but how can he work through your life and produce something in you if we're like, yeah, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's almost like we treat God like a buffet, right? I don't go to buffets anymore, I'll be honest, but back when I was a kid, I loved a good buffet, all right? Because when I walk in the buffet, I'm like, I want that, and I want that, and I want that. No thanks, and I want that, and I get to select. I remember going, growing up and being in, going on a trip to Florida from Canada, and there was a, I forget what the buffet was called, but like I got excited on the way to Florida because I'm like, I can just eat till my heart's content, and my parents aren't going to tell me eat my vegetables and eat my what. It's like, I just want this, all right? If I want all chocolate pudding, I'm having chocolate pudding, right? I want jello, I want jello, I want to eat just a meat dinner, amen? We're having that, and sometimes we treat God like that. It's a buffet, I want to obey here, I want to obey here, I'm good without that. I want to obey here, I want to obey. We have selective obedience. How can we grow and produce everything that God has for us when we have rocks of selective obedience? Listen, I, 
I can't say every thorn, every rock, every trampled area in your life. But we get the point, right? Through at least those five things, we get the point, right? Whatever is in our life that doesn't allow the truth of Jesus to land and produce, we need to take care of. Whatever's not allowing truth to land because we have this hardness, we have this arrogance, we've got whatever it may be, we need to take care of it. We need to be ready to work the land so we can receive all that God has for us. Listen, I think this parable, whatever what you've heard growing up, whatever, I think it's pretty simple. Jesus is saying there's two types of soil. Soil that produces and soil that doesn't. Right? It's simple. There's soil that produces, there's soil that doesn't. And he's standing in front of these people and he says something very simple. The last part says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears to let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I think when Jesus is ending, he's making the point that if you have ears to hear, then hear what I'm saying. Don't just listen to the words. Don't be passive with your listening, but be active in how you hear the words. I've got something for you, not just in this teaching, but lots of teachings to come. I've got something for you. But if you have ears, you've got to hear this. You need to create a soil in your life where my truth can land. Listen, it was hard work. It was hard work preparing the land. But hear me, if these people on the southwest side of Capernaum did not prepare their fields, guess what happens? They don't have what it takes to survive. They lived off the land. They knew this. Sometimes we don't realize we have to prepare this land in order for us to survive. We think we have the choice. They had an urgency, so Jesus is speaking to them. Hey, you know what happens if you don't prepare the land. You don't produce a crop. You don't prepare a land. You're not going to survive, and the same thing is about our life. So I want us to have this mindset. I want us to have this mindset. That the mission of Jesus was to set us free, to give us new life. But it didn't happen by accident. We had to do our part. I want to talk about today, but I want to talk about the rest of the summer as you hear these truths from Jesus. Will you do your part? Will you prepare the land with humility, through worship, through prayer, through giving ourselves away and surrender? Will you put yourself in a place where like God can do a great work because that's our job and then you let God do his job which is to produce the crop? We each have a role. One prepares the soil and does the work. The other is God does the producing. And maybe we won't settle for this, this summer. Maybe we won't settle. Maybe we won't settle for having rocks in our field. Maybe we won't settle for having thorns in our field. Maybe we won't settle just to, uh, throwing seed on trampled down areas. Maybe this summer we'll be like, God, transform something in me. Set me free from something. Tell me what rocks I need to remove. Tell me what thorns I got to burn down. Tell me areas in my life that I have not submitted to you so that you can 
Your truth can land on my life and great works can be produced. He wants to do a great work in our lives. He wants to set us free. He wants to give us new life. And you can sit in these seats. You can read scripture. You can have conversations, but if the soil of your life is not prepared, if it's not ready, then it cannot produce everything that Jesus has for us. So this is how I want to end today. I I want you to carry that thought. But I want to end with a song today reminding ourselves of the mission that Jesus came to give us. And maybe you'll be inspired in this moment to say, I know something in me right now that I need to remove. Or maybe our prayer is, God, I want the freedom that you've brought to give. give. I want the life that you've brought to give. And whatever you want me to do this summer, I will do it. Because I want your word to change my life. Can we pray? Um, God, you are always wanting to do a work in our life. I thank you that Jesus came. I thank you that he spoke this parable, this story to those people, and that we have record of it so that, God, we can be transformed ourselves. I pray for One Hope Church and anybody who's watching, anybody who's listening, that they look at their lives and say, are there rocks that need to be taken care of? Are there thorns that need to be taken care of? Do we need to avoid some trampled down areas? Are there areas in our life that we need to prepare so that there's a good soil to hear the word of God so our lives can be transformed? God, I pray we wouldn't just settle where we are, but we want more from you. God, you have a freedom to give us. You have a life to give us. You have more for us. But God, so help us not settle. I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to bring some conviction. Because God, there are people in these seats today, and me included. God, that we we sit in these services and we even sing songs, but it doesn't mean we're allowing you to transform us. So may you do a work that you haven't done yet as we open ourselves up to say we want to hear your truth so it can change our lives. It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.